I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. But uh, so I'm going to try uh, to get through all this. So if I look down a lot, it's simply because I'm trying to stay on track and not uh, go over my time or under my time. So if I get real nervous, it might be about 15 minutes. So, <laughs> And we'll have to rewind the tape and slow it down a little bit so y'all can hear it. But uh, I'm Michael Brown. Uh, I'm the dad of Jada Brown. Uh, and just want to start off by saying God is still working on this vessel. I've got a lot. I, I've not got it all figured out. And God shows me constantly things I need to work on. He was actually showing me things as I was working on my story and will probably open my eyes to more before the end of this testimonial. Lord, I pray that you speak through me tonight and let your light shine and allow your words spoken tonight help guide each of us in a closer walk with you. Lord, I ask that you continually remind us that you are in control and that no matter what we've been through, going through, or going to go through in the future to trust in you and to give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, okay so I'll start off by letting you know I'm 43, and uh, telling my story, it might be a little bit focused on my years leading into my 20s, because I believe the foundation that we build on is where we, you know, is what influences where we stand, and that's whether good or bad. And uh, let's say, example, uh, does everybody know the game Rock, Scissors, Paper? All right, so if you take your fist like this, and then you make a, the other one paper and lay it over it, you can see, now say the rock is Jesus. When you lay that paper over it, you still got edges that are hanging over. There's not any support. So if that's Jesus and your foundation is that, then you're, you need more Jesus, right? So anyways, so if you lay your hand on this like paper, you know, and this is the foundation, this is Jesus, then look at all the foundation you got. So that just lets us know that we definitely always need more Jesus. You can never have too much. So, uh, but anyways, so as a as a kid, going to church was a common occurrence, uh, although living right for me at the time was not. Uh, of course, that was a little bit of not knowing any better, some things like that. Uh, I remember going to a little Presbyterian church where pretty much the whole family went. It was more or less like a reunion every Wednesday and Sunday because aunts, uncles, cousins, grannies, papas, you name it, they were there. And uh, so it was pretty cool. I went a lot, whether it was with my parents or after spending the night with relatives, we would always go. It was more of just a routine for me because at the time, I really didn't understand the whole being washed in the blood or by the blood thing. I mean, I was a little boy I remember always getting hurt and bleeding a lot. And mom never could get all the blood stains out of my clothes. So I didn't understand how this blood of Jesus was going to wash things white as snow. So uh, although I do remember having the fear of the age of accountability or just not knowing any better, kind of just wondering what is this age that I'm going to have to know for sure that the choices I make are going to either allow me or keep me from going through those pearly gates. Uh, and as you know, I mean, the cho we make choices daily, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And as I was growing up, I was a typical little boy doing little boy things, playing in the dirt, riding bikes, and getting into pretty much everything. 
You never know when one simple choice is going to have a huge impact on your life uh, to come, no matter what age. For example, I can remember getting together with my cousins, going off into the woods and devising a plan on how to cuss without getting into trouble because, because we had always heard our different family members doing it since probably birth. So we would do like this thing, all right, one, two, three, cuss word. That way nobody could tattle on each other and they, each one of us had said a cuss word. So then, so then, you know, or maybe the time me and my cousin, we just got off the school bus and it went and it always did a round and come back by us. And we thought it would be funny to flip him a bird as he drove back by. Well, not thinking of any repercussions until the next day, you know, we was all giggling about it. Next day, we get called up to the principal's office, which a paddling was waiting on us. And uh, so then we get home and, you know, the stingings finally wore off your bottom just to find out that your mom and dad got a phone call. So you get another paddling. So, uh, so yeah, that was awesome. So, or, I mean, there was, there was the time I came home from school one day. I was probably five or six year old and my uncle had a stash of Playboy magazines. And he thought he had them hid, but not from a five or six year old. I jumped behind the counter and found these things and didn't know what I was looking at, but I was looking at it. Uh, and also then there was the time I was around the age of 10 and somebody told me to hold a beer. And I was like, okay, everybody else was drinking it. I was just gonna hold it, so I ended up drinking it. Not knowing any better, and when they come back to get the beer, it was gone. Uh, just growing up over the years and seeing the effects of alcohol and drugs throughout different family members from as far back as I can remember, you never know what little actions will lead uh, to later because the devil always has a way of reminding you of your past. Um, I wasn't going to church at the time uh, unless I was made. I, I remember it was my, I believe it was my 16th birthday and uh, before I had a relationship with Jesus, uh, I was spending the night with some friends and one of them got the idea, hey, let's get some beer and we'll get drunk. So I was like, all right, everybody else is doing it, you know, I'll try it too. So anyways, ended up getting a getting drunk that night and the next day we also had a car show to go to and I remember all day long hung over I didn't like that at all uh, and that was my first time and the next weekend they were wanting to do it again and I said no I don't want to become an alcoholic so I, I kind of passed and went home with no pressure they didn't pressure me into it and, uh, and I believe God had a plan right there in the works. I just didn't know it yet. Uh, let's see. Because a few months later, uh, like I said, I was 16. But on December 2nd, 1990, little did I know that an event in my aunt's life was going to change my life forever and my family's as well. Uh, by her ex-husband deciding to make a choice to take her life created an open door for God to do something much greater in mine and my family's. This event sparked my mom, my dad, my brother, and me to get back into church. And as a matter of fact, it was right here at Church of the Harvest almost 28 years ago, I stepped through those doors and wow, I had no clue 
the impact that was going to be set in motion for the rest of my life. I was 16, very shy, definitely soft-spoken, so I kind of sat back and just watched just to check things out. Now, I will say I'd been in Pentecostal churches before as a young child, going to revival or something like that, uh, so I had experienced God moving, seeing people moving, or take off running, dancing, and didn't really understand, but, you know, but it was not like this, what I'd seen here. Church of the Harvest was definitely unlike any other church I'd ever been to from the time, from the time the music started, the church was up on its feet, jumping, dancing, hands up for Jesus. And definitely wasn't like the little Presbyterian church I remember going to as a kid, but I loved it and still do, just FYI. Uh, because this sparked something inside of me and I was wanting to know more about this Jesus. Now, if you remember, I told you I was shy. I would sit with my parents uh, and kind of people watch before the service and usually a teen or the youth, past youth pastor, Steve Parker at the time, uh, would walk up and invite me to sit with the youth group, which at that time we had two or three rows on the left-hand side that we'd always sit at. And for a few weeks, I was hesitant, but I finally gave in. I said yes. I don't remember exact dates and all that, but I invited Jesus into my heart, and this started a journey that has led me to where I am today. Through now, of course, there has been some ups and downs in all this, uh, but at that time, I was giving it all uh, if the doors were open, I was here. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Tuesday night teens, Wednesday night service, drama team, and once I graduated, it was uh, young energetic singles, uh, men's prayer, and not counting fundraisers and volunteer work. Uh, I, was just, I was just here. I was happy to be here, and it was awesome. I'd experienced the fire of God that I'd never encountered before. I was new to all this, but dove right in. Everything felt like I was on top of the mountain for a while, and then it seemed like going back to school and hanging out with the same crowd or people I worked with, I would start slacking or backsliding was the common term. Uh, you know, the real world struggle. And uh, as many of you know, it's not easy being around uh, people that are doing those things in front of you that you seem to struggle with or that would bring you down. Now, my struggle in school didn't seem like much looking back because I thought I was a pretty good kid. I mean, I only got in trouble when I got caught. But, uh, but, but John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I could step away from a lot of things at times or from certain things, but what used to bring me down the most when I first got saved was cussing, listening to non-Christian music and these little things, lustful, impure thoughts. You might think at the time it's just a little cuss word or it's just a song or it's just one picture of a naked girl. But just like I told you from before, when I was younger, looking at those magazines, you, you say to yourself, well, it's just one nude picture and then it goes to one nude scene on TV, then it's just a one porno movie and then it leads you to doing things that you're watching with people. So it just continues so on and so on. Um, 
But when those temptations come back next time, they seem harder and harder to say no to until you no longer are saying no and you're just going along with whatever comes at you and then you're bound by it. Uh, especially when friends, co-workers are encouraging you those things by cussing around you, playing their music around, or them telling stories of their relationships, doing things outside of marriage that they shouldn't be doing. Uh, especially if those friends or co-workers, they are not trying to live right. And that brings me to a point, that's why you should surround yourself with those who love and are on fire for Jesus. Now during this time, I was still in church and seemed, I'd do good for a while, and then it'd be like every Sunday, I was the one lifting my hand or going to the altar needing to get back on track. Um, let's see. I can remember saying, man, if I just get through this week or through this school year, things will get better around me, you know, because I won't have those influences. Now, looking back on those little things actually was tormenting my relationship with Jesus. Uh, and just a little side note, uh, if you're the one raising your hand every week or every time there's an altar call or you're the first one up here, don't let that, don't feel bad because that's what you need to be doing. And I mean, I still do it if I need to, you know. Uh, it's, it's not bringing anybody down, you know, because you need as much Jesus in your life. And if that's what it takes for you to come up here, then whatever you do, do it. Uh, but um, let's see. I lost my place. This is awesome. So, all right. Uh, all right. All right. The rock music I was listening to was not filling my mind with the love of the Father, but a love of lust because of the lyrics being planted in my brain. I can even recall us going out back here where the basketball court is now and burning our old records and tapes and just crushing us. Uh, and just a little rabbit trail here to let you know how old I am. There used to be this little magazine called TV Guide. And in that, and in that TV Guide, there would be a little advertisement that said, 12 CDs for one penny, all right? And if you bought one at the regular price, you get five more free. So who is not gonna pay, seven, you know, one CD and you get 17 free? So anyways, you know, that's just a disguise, just so you know, because most of the time there was only like five Christian CDs in that list. So that meant the other 12 had to be secular. So then, there you go. There was the devil's way in right there. And uh, at one time, I had over 200 CDs and probably busted all those out here and then went right back and bought them all again because you see that little advertisement. Uh, but um, anyways, getting back on track, the, uh, the cuss words coming from my mouth were foul and not letting me speak the word or the love of God. And the lustful, impure thoughts were clouding my vision and distract me from seeing what God really had in store for me. I would constantly pray to be delivered, but it seemed I just couldn't break the chains. It just seemed that I let my choice to give in overpower my stand-up and fight. This constantly bothered me because I wanted so much to be 100% in my relationship with Jesus, but these things hindered me from seeing God's vision for me and hearing His voice. I had even... 
had people speak over me and I had visions myself of what God had planned for me. Uh, I just wasn't listening to God as much as I should have. God doesn't always speak in the same way. It could come from someone or from inside you where it's only you hearing or sometimes it can come from someone else speaking to you. Do you know the voice of God when he speaks to you? And from the Message Bible, Proverbs 3, 6 through 7 says, Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everything you go, wherever where you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. Now by this time, I had graduated and was probably close to 20 years old. And this is a verse I've read many times, uh, but should have paid more attention to it and did what it said. I felt if I wasn't giving God 100%, I was letting him down. So instead of running to God with all my junk, I ran away from him. And I figured I would try fixing it myself and then coming back when I had worked on myself. What a mistake that was, thinking I could do it without him. Uh, remember earlier, I mentioned about the more Jesus we have as our foundation, the stronger we stand. Well, this is where I really went wrong because I, I went the opposite way. In fact, it would, it would be about 20 years before I started working on my relationship with God again. So I feel my choice to run from God instead of to Him left a void in me that kept I kept trying to satisfy with worldly options because I was missing his love. Drinking was a thing that I went to. Of course, I always went back to cussing. Uh, I labeled myself as a social drinker because I, w I didn't have to do it every day. Now, if my friends called and said, hey, let's go out and have a drink, yeah, I'd go. Uh, or the weekends, yeah, I would go. Uh, but it just... You know, anything and everything. You'd let one thing in, and then, you know, it was just getting away from Jesus was letting all this stuff just have a whirlwind on me. And uh, But even after all the hangovers, the void was still there, and drinking led to finding love in all the wrong places. Those relationships were not working out, and that led to having low self-esteem and loneliness at times. <clears throat> which led to more drinking and more bad relationships. Not saying all relationships were bad because of the women I met, it was probably me being in the state I was in as well. I did quit drinking for a bit only to introduce the low self-esteem uh, to me uh, by using, uh, I turned to steroids to gain weight, trying to transform myself into someone I thought I wanted to be. But soon as I would quit, I'd go back to the size I was before. So after the steroids, I went back to the social drinking. Then someone would say, you know, hey, you want to try this? So I'd be like, yeah, I'd give it a shot. And, uh, you know, it would be one little thing. Uh, a lot of it was um, just a prescription pill or two here, uh, here or there. And uh, I didn't think it was that bad because the doctor was prescribing it to somebody. So if the doctor said it's okay for someone to take it, I figured it was okay. So, uh, but anyways, yeah, bad idea, guys. But uh, anyways, but after that, you know, then it led to, hey, you want to take a hit off this joint? And uh, I would do that. And those things I could, I felt like I could easily walk away from because I didn't want to get addicted.
but um, but I think that was just simply God watching out for me and probably mom back there praying for me but uh, but also uh, but the crowd I was hanging out with uh, introduced me to a drug called ecstasy now it was one of those things I I, did, I would do it every weekend. I wouldn't do it through the week, but every weekend I was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I, that was my go-to drug. And uh, just being young and dumb, thinking it'll be okay because it was a pill, you know, it's sort of like medicine, so surely it'll be okay. But uh, that's where not having Google did not help. So if I would have had Google, I could have found out a lot of different stuff. But uh, anyways, but that was part of being young and dumb. Um, but yeah, I had it all going for me, so I thought I had nice cars, uh, people like me, uh, so the self-esteem was boosting up, had a good job, uh, even had a guy offer me $100,000 worth of drugs, of ecstasy, for one of my cars, but luckily I did not take that, because uh, I, I, there's no clue what road that would have took. I do know shortly thereafter he ended up going to prison and just recently got out so um, I'm very thankful to God that I did not take that route um, but also um, around this time I was out with friends and I met someone both of us were uh, under the influence of drugs at the time uh, but we were only doing them because the other one was sounds about typical right we try to impress the opposite sex just to get them to like you more we both knew we had to walk away from this or walk away from our friends and all the connections to make this happen so we did do that now this relationship moved very fast and just so you know I do not recommend moving fast in a relationship and uh, and I do not recommend the age that I did this or her age uh, the speed of the relationship or the order uh, this was around the year 2000 and I was 25 she was 19 uh, we got an apartment within a month and within three months we decided to get pregnant and about six months we were married and about one year at the one year mark of our first meeting Miss Jada was born but uh, <laughs> but not saying that relationships that move fast don't work but definitely you should be married before the apartment and the pregnancy together because now not only do you have you to provide for but you have a new spouse a new family and getting older and wiser is definitely the way to go with that uh, but somewhere during all that we also filed bankruptcy and uh, uh, and like I said once Jada was born uh, we we weren't back in church uh, we would do occasional drinking, New Year's, stuff like that, special occasions. Uh, I, myself, uh, was introduced back to marijuana and was doing that once ever so often. Uh, but ended up, uh, I guess Jada was probably one and a half, maybe two years old. Uh, uh, I decided to stop that and for the simple reason is I was at work one day and I was like I need to I'd forgotten where I was going and I was on a tow motor and uh, I just went to one side of the plant to get something and I 
I just forgot where I was going. So I had to take a few minutes and bring myself back. But I went home that day and just got rid of everything. Uh, because simply, if I would have lost my job by doing something that stupid, how was I going to explain to my two-year-old daughter that this is what your dad did? So that was 14 years ago that I walked away from the marijuana, never turned back. Um, uh, so after saying all that, let me see where I get. Um, the relationship between me and my wife, it wasn't, wasn't that great. We were both young getting into this. Uh, I thought I knew what I wanted. She thought she knew what she wanted. Uh, she, was, she was more on the young side and just wasn't really ready to settle down. And I myself, I felt like I was ready to settle down, but I couldn't do all the fixing myself. Uh, and that led, you know, to two and a half years, I filed for divorce. Now, uh, let's see. Now, after the divorce, trying to get my life back together, uh, it started the cycle again of the social drinking, uh, bad relationships, and also, meanwhile, I was trying to keep Jada guarded from her mom not coming around as much, and I didn't want her hurt by that, and uh, I won't go into all that for her protection, but uh, one day she'll tell her story and you can hear the other side of that. Uh, but also, just, you know, I knew if I was to get in a relationship with or bring those people around and Jada got close to them, that was going to hurt her as well. So I kept a lot of that, my relationships hidden. And still to this day, Jada doesn't know whether that was my girlfriend at the time or friends. There's still a lot of them she doesn't know about. So uh, not a lot, but I'm just saying she doesn't know. <laughs> but anyways, um, but yeah, I did have to move back in with my parents and uh, to get things back straight because my credit was in a mess. Uh, and not knowing that that was actually going to be a 10-year decision, getting everything back in order. It just takes time, just so y'all know. Um, uh, but anyways, during those 10 years, it was me, Jada, and my parents. And without them, there's no way I could have done it. I mean, they were babysitters when I needed it. And thank God I could, you know, didn't have to trust other people with her. And they were right there all the time. And it helped out tremendously. And there was times I, I mean, getting everything back in order, I had to take jobs that were on swing shifts. And they, it was great having them right there because they were able to, you know, while I was sleeping, they were doing the running back to school, back and forth. Uh, and then, of course, it took away a lot of time between me and Jada. Uh, but I was trying to get things right. And uh, it's not always about the money also, just letting y'all know that. I mean, I had some great jobs. Uh, but, it's, you know, sometimes you got to turn away from that for your, for your kids. Uh, and just... Uh, still, FYI, this was out the foundation of Jesus still. Uh, I was still on my path of running. Uh, but my parents were staying on me, though. They were uh, definitely, I would go to church with them at times, but I just wasn't ready to listen to God yet. 
And uh, let's see. So it says I need to flip over, so we'll flip over. But let's see. In, in 2009 or 2008, I, I made a career choice uh, for better work uh, to go on a, a job up at Bowwater. A lot of people know it as Bowwater up here. I think it's Resolute now. Uh, but it was a good paying job, and I thought that was the way I needed to go. I thought, even though I wasn't following God, I thought he was opening up a door for new things. Uh, like I said, it was a swing shift job. So it took a lot of time away from my daughter. And uh, uh, to tell you the truth, how much money there was to be made is you've got a 90-day probationary period. And within that 90 days, I brought home over $30,000. And that's a lot of money. I mean, but, uh, but it was a lot of time also taken away. But God had another plan as well. In uh, 2009, I was laid off from that job after only being there nine months. And uh, I was laid off actually two years. So there was the two years I got to catch back up because I could not find a job anywhere. It was, it was bad. Uh, I did go to school for to get my massage therapy license and that helped out until I got called back in uh, 2011. And uh, everything was looking good. 20, 2013 rolled around, I'd been there almost two years. Uh, I was making good money. My credit was back on track. Uh, I just signed papers on my house, uh, got a brand new house, and uh, went into work that night to find out I was laid off. So, but I knew things would work themselves out. They always do. And uh, even though, I mean, God had a plan, and it started right there, uh, I was just clueless. I was so clueless. I was even beginning to doubt there was a God, and I'll get back to that later. Uh, but the day I lost my job, uh, I'd put in for a job at Eaton where my mom works, and uh, I just quickly threw something together, threw a resume together, and sent it on with the intention of going back that night and updating my resume. And uh, when I went back, they'd already took the job down. So I ended up giving mom an updated resume she turned it in, ended up getting that job, didn't have, I think I was out of work maybe a week or two, uh, but that was God opening up a door even before I knew he was doing something in my life. Um, but I guess to keep this short, our relationships, uh, going back to the relationships, I was still, like I said, I was still not working on my foundation with Jesus. Um, I'd got a new house and I thought, man, now that I've got a house things will start working out you know, I'll end up meeting somebody I've got the house already yeah, that's not, that's not the way it goes either guys, just one step forward and uh, two steps back, it felt like but um, my relationships you know, I would go I'd get out there, put myself out there date, and then not re meet the right female or it not work out so I would take a year or so off until I'd decide to do it again. Uh, you know, just trying to keep from getting hurt or hurting Jada. And uh, this happened a few times. And uh, let's see. In 2014, I started just realizing, you know, something's definitely not right. Uh, you know, 
know, I'm in and out of these relationships. Things are not going the way they should be. There's something missing. And uh, this is where God started working on me. He, um, there was things just going back and forth. And uh, I get, well, I guess I should go back to, um, well, no, never mind. I'll just keep on going. <laughs> but, um, but I did end up meeting someone, and we were steadily going to church. Um, although, mind you, it took a little bit for God to whip me back into shape because I would drink a beer, wine here and there, and still slinging those cuss words around. And uh, which during that 10-year period, I had the most foul mouth ever. ever. And my daughter can vouch for that, mom and dad. Uh, I hope they've forgiven me by now <laughs> all the hurt I did because it was just diff- it was just words to me. I wasn't meaning any of it. I just threw it out there without regard. Um, but, but yeah, God was doing the work in me. And after about a year, we had even discussed marriage, but God had a different plan. We had broke up around November 2015. And uh, at that point, I just decided to give it all to God and let him take control. Uh, and this is the point where I knew exactly what that blood covered that I was talking about earlier was Jesus. Um, I remember sitting out in the rain, pouring out the alcohol that was that had been in my fridge for, I don't even know, it had been in there probably a year, and there was a ton of it in there. And I'd only drank like one beer or... Uh, a drop of wine um, but I got rid of all of it because I didn't want it I didn't want nobody else having it uh, but God was working on me uh, I started going to church every time the doors were open there was a fire growing inside of me that I'd been missing since my teens and in December 2015 I told God I'm giving 2016 to you I'm not dating anymore anyone the whole year I'm just working on my relationship with you. Um, so January 1st came, and off we go. Mine and God's relationship started going places I've never been before. My prayer life was taking on new levels. I was truly hearing God's voice without interruption. I was going to two different churches every time the doors were open, and I still am today. God was doing a work in me I'd longed for, for over 20 years. He was filling in the void with all that I'd been missing for over 20 years. And uh, that void, was he was filling it with his love. Uh, so anyways, getting back to that, uh, just there were so many prayers being answered that year. Uh, I could go on and on and tell you stories of what he was doing for me and my family. Uh, during that 2015, before I, before 2016, and me giving everything to God, and uh, just letting Him take control, I'd been praying for a day shift job, which didn't seem to be going to happen. I was on third shift. Uh, I was praying for just a new job to open up or whatever. Well, it just so happened, uh, I was still in contact with Bowater, which had laid me off twice. But they called and offered me a crazy amount of, amount of money, offered me double what I was making, or over double, 
And uh, it was just, it was something hard to turn down. But um, I prayed about it and prayed about it. And I told my daughter, I was like, you know, I'm, I really don't know. I'm just going to pray about it. So I gave God an ultimatum. I gave him 48 hours to give me an answer. And wouldn't you know it, he waited 47 and a half to, before he gave me the answer because he made me sweat. But, um, but yeah, but it, he had told me, you know, to turn down the job, focus on my family, and focus on your relationship with me. Well, so I turned that job down. All of a sudden, a day shift job opens up. After that day shift job opens up, it wasn't really the job I wanted, and I was frustrated. I, like I said, I went to Bowater. I, I was already looking for a new job, but uh, deciding to focus on family and my daughter, time with my daughter, uh, God told me, you know, don't do that, just focus. So after that, I uh, started praying, okay, God, if I'm not getting a new job, let's pray for more money in the current job I'm in or, you know, something new where I don't have to take a different shift. Well, just so happened there was this, uh, where I work at, where me and mom works at, there's a door that I walk by all the time. And you could go into the mail room, but, behind, but beyond that, there was a door that was locked. And it said authorized personnel only. And it had this little diamond window, which I'd never even looked into it. I just always wondered what was on the other side of that door. And, uh, you know, I'd been praying for God to open doors for me and things like that. So this job comes up. And I bid on this job, and it was a day shift job, more money. And guess what? I got the job. And uh, guess where that job was? Behind that door. So anyway, it was kind of crazy how God opens doors. But just, just so you know, prayers do work. They're not on your time. They're on God's time. And... Uh, you know, luckily out of all this, all this story that I told you, you know, I only found myself in jail once. And, you know, even though I'd ran away from church, I had a pastor that stuck by and he came to my aid as well. You know, it, I was in there three days. They were going to ship me to, uh, I was in there for public drunkenness, which I was only supposed to spend like six hours and, uh, all of a sudden, they come back and said I was wanted in Panama City for some reason, which I didn't know why, but um, I was just going like, okay, I'm going to Panama City. They'll figure it out, and then I'll have a free trip to the beach. So uh, anyways, uh, but luckily, Pastor came down and helped my dad talk to him. They, got, they ran everything through, and it ended up being another Michael Brown and uh, let me off the hook, you know, no records stained or nothing. So uh, that was pretty awesome. But um, I want to go back um, and let you know about, you know, it takes just one person to change your life. And, uh, you know, I believe every time I was able to walk away from a drug or I felt like it seemed easy to walk away from, I think that was because there was a guy I used to work with, and he told me, and this was back before I'd done anything, uh, but actually I was about to start 
doing the steroids that I told you about. But he told me, he's like, find somebody that you trust and let them know what you're doing. That way, if something was to happen, you know, it's not a shock to them. So that person was my mom. And I think this was the plan that God had because every time I went and told her that I was doing something, and it, it wasn't just with steroids. I told her everything I ever did. And uh, it was all the drugs. I explained to her what they did and, you know, this and that. And uh, that way she wasn't shocked if, I mean, I'm glad I never, nothing ever bad happened, no overdose or nothing like that. But if anything would have ever happened, she knew. And, uh, but I think this is God's plan in action because every time I told her, I'm pretty sure she was praying against it and she was also letting my aunt duck know and that lady had a direct connection with god anyways so i think when you have people on your side praying for you you don't you don't have a chance even though you think you do it's it's going to come back around so never give up praying for that person that's you know on your heart or you know you think they're never going to come back continue to pray for them um but I also, I, I wrote down this little thing. Uh, I'm the type of person that every time I walk down the street, if I see a penny, I'll pick it up. Whether it's heads up, tails up, it, I'm a penny richer is the way I see it. Um, so, and I'm sure many of you have seen pennies, dropped pennies, and probably not paid it no attention because I have too. I've dropped them before and it's just a penny. I'll just keep on walking by. But... If you uh, look at it this way, you know, it may be just a penny and not make that much different in most situations, but it could lead to much more. Um, let's see. Take that penny, pick it up, whether it's face down, heads up, it, it's still a penny. It's still worth, the worth of that penny is still a penny. You put that penny in one place by itself and it doesn't seem worth that much, but you start putting other pennies with it and it start, the worth starts rising, building up by others around it and gaining more and more as more people are out, added to it. Now, just like the shepherd would leave the 99 for that one, we were all that one at one point in time and someone bent down to pick us up even if we happened to be face down. And you put us around others, uh, and if you put us around others like us, our worth starts rising up. If you put us in the church around people with, you know, that love Jesus, your worth is going to start rising. And uh, and just to put another scenario with that, uh, you know, you know, it only takes one to make a difference. But there are 7.6 billion people in the world. Now imagine, just like we said, we drop pennies and not think about it. You know, imagine if 7.6 billion people dropped a penny and just walked away, but those pennies fell into your bank account. That would be $76 million. So just an FYI, so don't pick up all my pennies whenever y'all see them. Like but uh, anyway, that's mine, my penny. But uh, so, so now look at it. What difference does a penny make? And just like those pennies, you know, each one of us, if we make a difference in one person's life, and everybody does that, that's 76 million people. If we just, you know, 
go after one. Um, but that's it. Thank you. I was so involved in that story. Does anyone have a question for Michael you'd like to ask? Um, I know there's some comments. Anything you want? Uh, Pastor Todd. 